Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. We're in Birmingham, Alabama with my new friend Deborah Douglas, the author of the U.S. Civil Rights Trail by Boone Travel Guides. Deborah researched the Civil Rights Trail and uncovered fascinating history of events from a generation ago and how they shape us today. Her book provides a guide for people to learn about these landmarks and visit them yourself. In this episode, Deborah and I talk about the story of the Birmingham campaign, the Children's Crusade, and Kelly Ingram Park. You hear about these three historical landmarks, plus so much more. The show notes will be available at wetravelthere.com forward slash Birmingham. Now let's get started. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. Using airline miles and hotel points makes travel affordable, but keeping track of all those loyalty programs can be a challenge. That's why I use AwardWall to track my miles and points balances, reservations, and special goodies like free hotel night certificates and airline companion passes. Having everything in one easy-to-use dashboard helps ensure that I don't lose any rewards and makes logging into my accounts super easy. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash AwardWallet to start your free account. Hey, Deborah, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So today we're going to be talking about uh, Birmingham, Alabama. It's a city that I've heard a lot about you know, in history books and everything, but I haven't had a chance to visit yet. So I'm really excited to hear about your tips and also to learn from the history from you that you wrote about in your book. So uh, what's your connection to the city? Well, I just wrote a book about the U.S. Civil Rights Trail. It's a travel book. And so I went to Birmingham to follow in the footsteps of civil rights activities in Birmingham and the uh, 50s and the 60s. And I was amazed. Oh, that sounds fantastic. From your experience of, of, I'm sure you met a lot of people there and then you explored the city quite a bit. Like if you had to describe the people or the city in one or two words, how would you do that? The first word is courageous, because when you learn about the history of Birmingham and civil rights, and you understand the nature of the terror that they were subjected to, and how those families still live there and they still live with these stories, you just realize how courageous they are. And also everybody was like super friendly and super helpful. That's good. I, I mean, I think it's like that, that Southern hospitality, right? Where everybody kind of welcomes you in and, and uh, hey, come down and sit down and have a little bit of sweet tea, right? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I know from living here in Nashville that the weather can be kind of, uh, kind of erratic, right? I, I guess that would probably be a, a good word to say. When you visited, what was the weather like? And then uh, what do you think the weather's like the rest of the year? Well, it's the South, so it gets pretty hot. I went in the winter and the weather was pretty fair. I think I probably had a sweater on. I run hot, so I don't wear a lot of layers anyway. Living in Chicago will do that to you. (laughs) You kind of get used to it. But the weather is pretty nice all year around. Of course, you know, in the summer it gets pretty hot. Uh, you coming from California when I experienced my first like Southern summer, it was a, uh, it could take your breath away a little bit, right? With the, uh, with the humidity and everything else, <laughs> you know, it, if you, you avoid the humidity, you avoid the, uh, you know, sometimes a little chilly in the winter, but that, that spring and that fall times are, are just absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Well, I like the humidity because it's good for the skin. <laughs> uh, okay. There you go. Okay. So Throughout the year, are there certain festivals or, or certain events that happen if people are planning their trip? Maybe should maybe they want to plan a trip around that. Well, in January, around King Day, the Birmingham Civil Rights Institute is a museum. That's a go-to spot for a lot of people to go to engage with the civil rights story and the story of Dr. King, who made a huge impact on this city. 
in May, they have the anniversary Children's March. So in 1963, there was a children's crusade. There are actually children who were activists in the movement, and they actually put themselves in harm's way. So when you see a lot of those iconic images, photographs, and videos of the civil rights movement, and you see the water cannons, and you see the barking dogs, that was Birmingham. And the the police, under the the directive of uh, Eugene Bull Connor were acting, you know, they were acting on his direction. They were unleashing all of that on children. So the anniversary of the Children's Crusade March, well, the, the anniversary of the Children's Crusade is on May 2nd. So that weekend period around that area, that is the time when they reenact the Children's Crusade. Busloads of kids come in, adults are invited. And veterans of the Children's Crusade, the people who were children, but who are now grandparents and great grandparents now, they come and engage with the children and the children learn about the purpose of the march. And they learn about how those children educated themselves to be activists. And they have to follow the same instructions that the children of 1963 followed as they were marching. They had to make sure that they didn't do anything to provoke any violence. And so... It's really you know, a great reenactment. And I met Barry McNeely, who has led that march. He's a, a local historian and he's a teacher. And, you know, he's so engaging and tells such great stories. And so you're sure to have a great time with the Anniversary Children's March. Oh, wow. That, I mean, that sounds fantastic. I mean, well, I guess that's fantastic in, in a way of learning and a, in a way of remembering, but also horrific in the way that they were treated, right? I mean, I'm a father. I've Right now I have a, a six and 10 year old and you know, you want to inspire your children to do those things where they're, they're going out there and, and learning and growing and fighting for what's right. But also as a parent, you're like the thought of having your children in harm's way like that. That's the, absolutely the thing that you don't want as a parent, right? Like you do everything possible to try to keep them safe. And, and so it's kind of a you know mixed emotions type of environment, right? Yes. A lot of the parents at the time could not participate because they had to work or they work for white companies or white individuals. And so they would be putting their jobs in jeopardy. So the children literally stood in the gap for their parents. Wow. You know, so many times uh, adults talk about how children are slackers or they don't, they're, they're not doing the right things or whatever. And then you think of children like that. And even some of the children that today, you know, it's amazing that how much they step up and and people don't necessarily give them the credit they deserve. Absolutely. There's another event that happens uh, Juneteenth. It happens around June 19th, which celebrates the end of enslavement. So that's not linked directly to the civil rights movement, but it's linked to the black experience in America. And so the Civil Rights Institute commemorates the event on the closest Saturday to the June 19th date. Not every formerly enslaved black person in 1865, knew that they were free. And so Juneteenth celebrates the belated notice that they were indeed free. Oh, wow. That's something special. If people are planning to come to Birmingham, what's the best way to get there? You know, I know obviously from from Nashville, I would just drive, but if listeners are coming from out of the country or maybe from like California or something like that, where would they fly in to come visit Birmingham? Yes. So you can fly into Birmingham's Shuttlesworth International Airport. And Shuttlesworth is named for the Reverend Fred Lee Shuttlesworth, who was the name civil rights movement leader in Birmingham. And he uh, helped create the 
Birmingham campaign of 1963 with the Southern Leadership Conference and Dr. King, Ralph Abernathy, and James Bevel, you know, the whole crew. And Reverend Fred Lee Shuttlesworth also founded the Alabama Christian Movement for Human Rights. And it replaced the NAACP because the state of Alabama outlawed the NAACP. They didn't want outside agitators meddling in their business. And so Reverend Shuttlesworth got a group of people together and they decided they needed to found their own organization. And at Sardis Baptist Church, several years before all of this activity, they founded the Alabama Christian Movement for Human Rights. Oh, wow. Well, that's, that's fantastic that they, that they named the airport after him to kind of keep that memory alive. So when people fly into the airport and uh, they're getting ready to go into the city and explore around, should they take public transportation? Do they need to rent a car? Just use an Uber? Like, what's the best way to get around? Well, Ubers work pretty well in Birmingham, so you can do that. But I rented a car and it was pretty easy. I just walked right out of the airport and into the rental car area. And I put on my GPS so that I would know where to get around. (laughs) For me, it was the dark of the night and I didn't have any problems parking anywhere. I stayed at the Tutwiler Hotel. It's the Hampton Tutwiler. It's a historic hotel. They have valet service, but also just in terms of street parking, I had no problems finding a space. Oh, fantastic. Okay. So that's one of the things I think, especially in a lot of bigger cities that you always have that worry. Okay. If I rent the car, that's probably the least of my concerns because trying to find parking or paying you through the nose for parking whenever I do find it. Yeah, it was easy. (laughs) Oh, good, good. Okay, cool. So we're into the city. Uh, You stayed at the Tutwiler and you had a really good experience there. Yes, I did. Uh, and is that like in the in the middle of town, or is that kind of like on the, on the outskirts? It's uh, in the civil rights district, so I could you know walk from the hotel and walk over a few blocks to everything I wanted to see that tied to this story. Oh, fantastic! Okay, so let's talk about some of the historical attractions and, and monuments that we should visit when we're when we're in Birmingham. What's one of the first ones we places we should go? You're going to the Birmingham Civil Rights Historic District, and it's a a walkable neighborhood that's bordered by Ninth Avenue, Richard Arrington Jr. Boulevard, who's the first black mayor, First Avenue and 14th Street, and it covers several square blocks. So you're going to go to the Birmingham Civil Rights Institute, and that's a museum that tells a story, a very particular story about civil rights in Alabama. And so you understand how it connects to the larger civil rights story. And then across from there is 16th Street Baptist Church. That was a staging area for the movement. It's just a venerable institution, but it's also the site of the 16th Street Baptist Church bombing where four little girls were murdered by the Ku Klux Klan. And um, the one thing about the story of the four little girls is that that same day, two black boys were also murdered in racially charged situations. And so Birmingham not only lost four girls that day, they lost two boys. So they lost six children in one day. Oh, that's such a shame. Yeah. And so across from there, well, kitty corner from the church and right across from the Institute slash museum is Kelly Ingram Park. And that was a staging area for a lot of movement activity. And there are a lot of monuments there that contextualize the space. 
there's a monument to the four little girls. And if you really look at it, like look at the birds being released into the air and just all of the, the symbolism built into that monument, you'll see that they've also honored the two boys. There's a water cannon area, so you can kind of see these powerful machines that release high-powered water pressure that will blow your hair off. And there there are lots of other things to look at. There's a a minister's monument. Nobody says exactly who those ministers are in in that monument. There's speculation about it, but it does really attest to the role of the Black church in organizing activity. That's just in the Civil Rights Historic District. Uh, you have the Collegeville neighborhood, which is the site of Bethel Baptist Church, where Reverend Shuttlesworth was pastor. And there was some bombing activity there. I mentioned bombs because Birmingham was known as Bombingham. That was the special brand of racial terror unleashed on African-Americans in Birmingham. They would bomb, bomb Black people. But Collegeville is a working class African-American neighborhood. And it's a part of this, the civil rights walk where they have these colorful signs in different areas of town. They're oversized and they share information and facts and tidbits about the movement and the purpose of the movement. So you can just walk around the neighborhood and interface with these signs and quiz yourself. And it's just really engaging. And then there's a middle class neighborhood on the other side of town called Dynamite Hill. And it was ravaged by bombs during the civil rights movement. The, the larger neighborhood, the Smithfield neighborhood, Dr. King stayed there when he was here. And Dynamite Hill is where uh, Angela Davis was born and reared. And I went by her house. That was so exciting. <laughs> oh, that's super cool. Yeah, I was reading in your book that uh, it's actually on the National Register of Historic Places. Yes, it is. <laughs> Obviously, it's a very checkered past, right, with uh, with a lot of these uh, you know, negative events that happen at in the past, and like anything, right? You're going to have some positive and, and negative things that happen in your in your past, and it's good that they're not brushing them under the under the carpet, right? That they're actually recognizing that, hey, some bad things happened here, and we remember them. That way, we can move forward and build a more cohesive uh, community. Yeah, well, that's the whole story of America, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely, we've uh, we've done some good and some bad uh, throughout the last couple hundred years. So it's good that we're all getting able to to, to work together. Uh, you know, but also remember the good and the bad. Absolutely. Now, one of the things I know that is pretty amazing here in the South is, and you can tell by my dad bod, is the food. <laughs> and I know there's a pretty amazing food that's uh, that's there in Birmingham as well. So while you're out there walking around, you know, building up that appetite, what are some of the places that people should go check out while they're they're visiting? Right. Well, near the historic district, there is the Fourth Avenue Business District, and that is actually a historic area. When segregation was in full effect, this was the business area where Black people, you know, conducted business, went to retail stores, went to to see Black professionals of every kind, like physicians. There's venerable Black theater there. And so um, they are keeping up with the tradition. And so you can go patronize businesses on Fourth Avenue. I really like the Green Acres Cafe. It's been in business since the 1950s. It's a fast food restaurant. You go in and you make an order and, you know, they make it fresh. So it would be a little bit of a wait, but it's really great for people watching. (laughs) This is not something that I eat, but I was like, okay, try something different this time. I had a pork chop sandwich. Oh, nice. So good. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, they have all your wings and things and burgers and anything. It's just so exciting to know that you could 
interface with a black owned business that has been around since the 1950s. Right. I, okay. So I'm, I'm imagining it in my mind. Is it a, a fried, like a, like a fried chicken, something like that? Or is it more grilled? I asked for the fried pork chops in. and it was, it was served between two pieces, pieces of white bread and I had hot sauce on it. It was so simple, but it was so good. <laughs> oh, fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And then also in that area is a Nelson Brothers Cafe. You can go get sandwiches or breakfast. In another part of town, uh, there's another family-owned uh, restaurant called Rib It Up. It's a sit-down restaurant, and it also has a bar, and it had a very active drive-through. <laughs> right on. That's one thing that, you know, in California, obviously there's a little bit of uh, barbecue and more like chain restaurants and stuff like that. But ever since moving here to the South, going to these kind of like little hole-in-the-wall, you know, mom-and-pop type shops, I don't know what they do. There's some serious love and they put into those ribs and, and barbecue and everything, but it it is phenomenal. Right. One of the things that, like you mentioned there, as far as that, that Nelson Brothers is a good place to go for breakfast. Because uh, especially when I got my kids with me when we're traveling, uh, they got to have pancakes in the morning. Otherwise, they're going to be a terror all day, right? Right. <laughs> what type of things did you have at Nelson Brothers? Did you have some breakfast there? I love grits and eggs. <laughs> so, And a really good stiff cup of coffee, and I'm good to go. <laughs> oh, there you go. I know my kids love hot dogs. They're you know six and ten. Are there places like that are more like uh, kid friendly like that where it's it's not more advanced palate, so it's a little bit more basic? Totally. You could go to Gus's Hot Dogs. It's been around forever. It's a really welcoming place. It's downtown, and um, you you can't go wrong with a good hot dog. And they're so friendly in there. <laughs> oh, fantastic! Yeah, my kids will super uh, will definitely be happy when we go visit that. Deborah, I really appreciate you sharing all these wonderful tips for for Birmingham. I know I learned a lot. I definitely want to go down there and visit and explore all those historical sites and just learn a little bit a little bit about that history from your book as well as from visiting there in person. But now it's time for the final countdown. If a traveler only had time for one meal when they visit Birmingham, where should they go and what should they eat? You should go to the Pazitz Food Hall. There's all kinds of fruit, food from all over the world. You can challenge yourself to try something different. I don't think you'll go wrong. Yeah, no, I, I had a chance to look at that one, and there was like, there had to have been at least like ten or twelve different type of restaurants in there. So you can go with a with a big group of friends, and no matter what everybody's uh, in the mood for, there's gonna be something there for them. Right. Obviously, you were you were there exploring the history, you know, writing your book, building everything up. What's one of the most memorable stories of, of your visit? Okay, so this is in two parts. When I was there, and I was walking through Kelly Ingram Park. I saw an older gentleman uh, leading a group of people in a tour through the park. He was contextualizing it. And I pulled out my phone and I filmed him and all of a sudden he broke out in song. So he sang this Negro spiritual. It was just so good. You could just tell he had that sort of like black preacher spirit in him. Well, I later realized that that was the Reverend Calvin Woods who actually has a marker dedicated in his honor in the park. He and his brother Abraham were uh, movement leaders. Uh, specifically, they read sit-ins, but they did so much more. You know, I had to do a lot of follow-up with this book. So later on, I scheduled a, a phone interview with the Reverend Woods so I could just learn about what he was doing in the park that day and and find out other stories. So I'm talking to him about the Alabama Christian Movement for Human Rights, founded by the Reverend Fred Lee Shuttlesworth. And so he tells me that the first meeting where they were deciding if they were going to create an organization to replace the NAACP and press for civil rights was actually held at a business owned by A.G. Yaston. 
A.G. Gaston was a black millionaire. He owned the A.G. Gaston Hotel, which is being redeveloped and historically contextualized as part of the story that the Civil Rights District tells. Actress Felicia Rashad stayed there as a little girl at his motel. Colin Powell honeymooned there with his wife when when he got married. Anyway, that's who A.G. Gaston was. So they go to a property owned by A.G. Gaston and it's all kinds of black leaders, you know, just black residents at this meeting. So I'm trying to drill down and and ask them like, who was there? Like, tell me their names. Were there women there? Because I also want to know about the role of women in the civil rights movement. And so I was being so specific and so pointed trying to like elicit names. He was like, listen here, young lady. <laughs> Don't nobody want you to know who was with who, where, why, and how, and all of that. <laughs> <laughs> Just back up for a minute. And so it was really funny because they had to meet in secret because they, re- they faced violence. If anybody knew that they were actually self-determining to take their lives in their own hands. And even though this was decades ago and he's an elderly man, he made a promise at that time, word is bond, to never tell who was at that first unofficial meeting and he will never tell. And so the official founding, if you look at the history books or online, you'll see that this organization was founded at Sardis Baptist Church. But there was a meeting before the meeting and the Reverend Calvin Woods will not like for you to push too hard on who was there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, that was amazing that one, like you're, you're, you're basically watching living history with him telling those stories to that group as he's walking around. And unfortunately, like a lot of that history is lost, right? You know, they, obviously you can write books about it and you watch some things on TV, but they actually see it in person. That's something special. It was a mad dash for me because I had to travel and write. And also I'm a college professor. And at the time I was running a a news website that was inspired by the civil rights movement. But I reached out to as many movement icons and activists as I could because they're getting up in age and I wanted to be able to touch as many as possible. And I'll keep continuing to do that because I want to capture this oral history. I know it's documented in a lot of different places, but it just means something to me as a storyteller to be able to have spoken with these people myself. Oh, absolutely. Well, that's, I mean, that's amazing that you're, that you're doing that. And so uh, speaking of like, you know, happy times or ha- happier times, what's one of the happiest happy hours in Birmingham? Well, I wouldn't call this a happy hour, but I drove out to suburban Hoover one night to this club called Perfect Notes. They have live music of varying genres. And also it was just a multiracial crowd and it was a crowd with all ages. And, you know, depending on the time of night you go, it can skew younger or older, but it just felt really good just to go there and be a part of this new Birmingham where everybody is just coming together just to be joyful and celebrate really great music. Well, that sounds like a perfect place to go. Be a good place, I think, for like a date night or something like that. You know, if I can get away from the kids and take my wife out for a night. That'd be great. Or just grab a bunch of friends and, you know, go there and order some really great food and drinks. They have craft cocktails and grab a table and listen to some live music and just like just chill out. There you go. That's, that sounds fun, too. So one of the things I always do whenever I travel is check out the local pizza. Uh, what's the best place for pepperoni pizza in Birmingham? Well, I was focused on uh, researching food items inspired from the black experience. So I skewed toward soul food or what was available in the 4th Avenue district. 
But I discovered this really great pizza restaurant in Nashville. It's called Slim and Huskies. Oh my God, they make these personal pieces that you can customize yourself. They were so delicious and the energy in Slim and Huskies is so cool. And they're on an expansion run. They are just building out everywhere. I also feature Memphis. So they just opened in Memphis and they are coming to Birmingham. So I think that if you're in Birmingham and Slim and Huskies has made their official arrival, you need to go there. We've actually tried to visit there once. It was closed during COVID, but uh, as soon as it opens uh, here locally, I'm going to have to try it out and then definitely going to eat there when we go visit Birmingham. Absolutely. (laughs) So I know that you traveled pretty extensively, you know, as you're researching your book and visiting all these different historical sites across the country, you probably have some pretty good travel tips. What's one of your best ones? If you want to tour a specific space like 16th Street Baptist Church, then you should call before you get on the plane or get in the car and go to that town. You should make a reservation in advance to make sure that there's space for you because these places are in high demand. And so you don't wanna get to a town and have this vision in your mind that, oh, you know, this one place is gonna make the whole journey for me. Make sure you reserve a space in advance. Yeah, absolutely. Or not every place is open seven days a week. I've had that happen to me too, where where you plan to go to a certain restaurant or certain location and sorry, they're closed on Tuesdays. Absolutely. Definitely check that out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Deborah, I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing all these amazing tips. Can you tell us a little bit about your book, about who you are, what you do? And if people have questions about your book or about Birmingham, what's the best way for them to reach you on social media? Okay, so uh, my book is The U.S. Civil Rights Trail, A Traveler's Guide to the People, Places, and Events that Made the Movement. And it's the first ever travel book dedicated to the official Civil Rights Trail. And I am a longtime journalist, and I uh, am a journalism professor. I'm the Eugene S. Pulliam Distinguished Visiting Professor of Journalism at DePaul University and uh, the founding managing editor of MLK 50 Justice Through Journalism. And in terms of finding me on social media, I'm all over the place. So uh, my handle for everything is Deb Officially, D-E-B Officially. So on Twitter, Deb Officially, Instagram, Deb Officially, Facebook, Deb Officially. And that's my website too, debofficially.com. Well, fantastic. Well, we'll include links to all that in the show notes. And again, thank you for coming on the show. And we look forward to seeing you when we travel there. Thank you so much. What an interesting conversation with Deborah. It's fascinating to learn about the history of our American cities and how it has shaped us. You can find all the links we talked about at wetravelair.com forward slash Birmingham. We want to say thank you to AwardWall for being today's affiliate partner. It's my favorite way to track airline miles, hotel points, and other loyalty programs. Go to wetravelair.com forward slash AwardWallet to start your free account today. Join us next time as we visit Barat, Albania to speak with my new friend, Luciana Fauni of Timo's Guesthouse. In this episode, Luciana and I talk about exploring the Barat Castle, rafting in the Osam Canyon, and visiting the Onofre Museum. We hope you join us when we travel there. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please share it with your friends and tell them what you like most. Make sure you subscribe, that we don't miss any of our upcoming destinations. 